Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you to my amazing wife, Adrienne, and my co-lead pastor. The real reason this thing is on track. Amen, amen. Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, this morning, happy Memorial Weekend. Come on. A couple things off the top here. One, can we give it up for the worship crew one time? That was, that worship was anointed. Amen. And uh, our very own uh, pastors, Amy and Pastor Evan, are, are gone uh, for their one-year honeymoon or one-year anniversary or one of those things that has to do with being one year uh, married. And uh, they're off doing that, and our team not only held it down, but come on, somebody. That was incredible. And two, I just want to say this off the top as well. Um, man, I don't give a rip what's happening in the media, and you're going to find that out pretty soon as we dig into the message. Uh, but I want to say this. From the bottom of my heart for TakeOver Church, I know that there's been a lot of things in the last five to ten years about church and state and uh, uh, over-Americanized Christianity and yada, 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 and I understand all that, and I, and I, and I don't agree with, uh, there's not a whole lot there that I don't agree with, like, I, I do think there's a lot of things, but however, I think we all, we all owe the men and women of our armed forces a debt of gratitude because they went before us, they secured certain freedoms and liberties that you and I are the beneficiaries of in this country, and it is amazing, and friends, we will never know the cost that they paid for you and I to do what you and I get to do in this place. So can we just honor them with praise? Can we just make some noise for the men and women? Every time we have this, it just, I feel wrecked even more because that is such a privilege to walk and worship on this soil, in this place, at this time, where people have given their lives so that we can have these freedoms, amen? Amen. Okay, I'm going to get more emotional later, so we're going to try and move on. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Hey, do you like who you're sitting next to? Good luck. Tough luck. You're there. You're there. You're there, and I got you for the next hour and 15 minutes. It's going to be amazing. Anyways, yeah, you thought because it was Memorial Day weekend, you was getting out of here go grilling. No, you are in Matt's penitentiary now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's going to be a good morning, and honestly, this morning has been absolutely incredible already. And, man, I got to tell you, we started off by singing, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. And how many of you know those lyrics, that song is a banner that our nation deeply needs in this week. Amen. How many of you know those are lyrics that our city, Grand Rapids, there have been in the last two weeks, nine of them were last night. There has been 22 shootings in our city alone, nine of them before 1 a.m. last night. We need Jesus to silence fear. We need Jesus to make the darkness tremble. We need Jesus to overthrow the violent spirits, the divisional spirits that are running rampant in our sick nation. Amen? Yeah, y'all didn't know you was coming from Memorial Day with this. But I promise you, we are we're going to go after the Lord with everything we have because I am emphatically convinced today there is no other cure for the sickness of man in the world. It's Jesus, friends. It's Jesus. There's no man-made solutions. There's no man-mandated man solutions. I'm getting ahead of myself, but there is no legislation of which our salvation is found in. There is one place our salvation comes from. Amen. It is not Capitol Hill, but it is Golgotha Hill. Amen. It is not Capitol Hill, but it is Calvary's Hill. Amen. Come on, friends. My hope is not in a sitting president. My hope is in a reigning king, and his name is Jesus. In our world, if it's not clear, if it's not clear in the last two weeks, it's in desperate need of a renewal of the Holy Spirit, of an encounter with the living God. We have a dead world with dead men and dead women doing dead things and causing more death and chaos, and we need a living God to rescue us. Amen? So can we hit the prayer in the wilderness and continue our series in the wilderness this morning? Does that sound good? 
fantastic. We're gonna throw that up on the big screen. Uh, yeah, give it up for hey, yeah, give it up for Michael and Kelsey in the booth holding it down. We love you. You the best. Repeat this after me. We're gonna stir our hearts. We're gonna unite in the Word, and we are gonna get after all that God has for us today. Amen. All right, here we go. Somebody say, God, 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 God make me a voice. In this generation, we need that. We need that. Is this prayer becoming abundantly clear week after week what we need? Oh my gosh. God, make me a shepherd after your own heart. I want to know you for real. I want to burn with your holy fire. With your holy fire. With your holy fire. I want to feel what you feel. How many of you know God's heart is broken? Come on. I want to feel what you feel. I want to see how you see and move like you move. I open my heart. I open my heart. I open my heart to you alone. To you alone. To you alone, release upon me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your son, Jesus. Set my heart on fire, on fire, on fire, and make my life a life of prayer. And all God's people shouted, Amen. Come on, somebody. Are you ready to get after it this morning? Man, we didn't come to church Memorial Day. Come on. You guys are the realest of the real. Amen. You are here. You are not on a yacht. You are on a tank. Come on, somebody. This is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship, and you are ready to get after it today. Amen. My boys are hyped in the back. I love it. Keep that same energy. Come on. Man, I'm in a making the devil pay kind of mood today. Come on, somebody. I'm into bank corrupting hell today amen come on we're going to pillage something today let's get it let's get it today we're continuing our series in the wilderness the title of my message is this where is christ in the wilderness where is christ in the wilderness where actually no i said that wrong where christ is in the wilderness it's important it's important you might think that's not important it is important where christ is in the the wilderness, where Christ is in the wilderness. I'm not too put together that I can't admit that I made a mistake, okay? Where Christ is in the wilderness. Who's got their Bibles? Oh, come on. Who's got a leather back? Who's got one of those nasty, nasty, yeah, come on. Who's got one with the pages falling out? Oh, where's my seasoned saints? Come on. Who's got that fresh new Bible? Who's got that new B-I-B-L-E? Come on. Ain't nothing like a fresh Bible. You better break that thing in, girl. I want to see that falling apart in four weeks. Come on. Well, we're coming out of Colossians 3, 1 through 17. 1 through 17. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. If you don't have a Bible, you can download it on your phone. Uh, they do that nowadays. Or you can pay attention to the Sky Bible in the back that Miss uh, Kelsey is back there running. Next time, bring your Bible. Um, you know, or you can look on, or you can look on with a Christian. Anyways, um, Colossians 3, 1 through 17. When you're there, say, I'm there. Come on. All right, here we go. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seat at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. When God, oh yeah, hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, wow. What a profound statement. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death. Somebody say, put it to death. Ooh, come on. Therefore, what is earthly within you, any sexual immorality, any impurity, any passion, even any evil desire, any covetousness, which is idolatry, come on. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. We're we going in on Memorial Day. Goodness. In these, you two once walked... In these two, Matt McClure also once walked when you were living in them. But now, somebody said, but now. 
But now, come on, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off. Somebody put off. Put off the old self with its practices. And put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of our Creator. Come on. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised. <laughs> Calm down. Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones. I got any God's chosen ones in the house? There we go. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Come on. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Who remembers harmony from last week? Come on. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell in you, what, weakly? Dwell in you softly? No, 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 richly. Richly, cool. I want to make sure I got that right. Context. Dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, somebody say whatever. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything. Somebody say everything. Everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We're going to get after it. Mind if I pray? Fantastic. Father God, I just thank you so this morning. I thank you so much, God, for this morning that you are here. It's evident, God. It's evident, God, that you are in this house. God, it's evident today, God, that we see so many people in this house who could have been camping, who could have been in a tent, who could be at the beach, who could be anywhere else on a holiday weekend, God. But these are clearly citizens of heaven, not just citizens of America, God. So I thank you on a national holiday for the people who are in this room who have positioned and decided today they would be found in the house of the Lord. So God, I ask for a double portion of whatever you want to give them today, Father God. I ask that their eyes would be so open to see the realities of the world of which we live in from heaven's vantage point, God. I ask for greater gifting, greater anointing, greater discernment. God, I ask today that you would raise up generals in the faith, Father God. Men and women of the Most High God. Not men and women who kind of know you, who are kind of acquainted with you, but all of us today, God, you would make generals out of this army before me. So, Father, I just thank you so much for everything you're doing. I thank you for everything you've started from the parking lot to the pulpit and the kids' ministry, God. Today, God, we just unite under your Son's name, under the power of the throne of Jesus. And right now, we just ask, Holy Spirit, come. Do what only you can do. Wreck us, build us, and light us on fire for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name of faith-filled church said, amen. Where Christ is in the wilderness. Where Christ is in the wilderness. I don't, I don't reckon that it's missed on anyone in this room what the last two weeks in our nation has looked like. I think we're all pretty aware. I think we're pretty informed. I think we saw what happened in Buffalo. I think we saw what happened in, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Euclid, Texas. I think we're pretty aware, if not before I just told you moments ago, what's taking place in Grand Rapids, that there's been 22 shootings, not even just lives that were lost, but just acts of violence, bless you, across our city. Friends, it is dark out. But how many of you know when it's the darkest, the church shines the brightest? When it's as darkest, our hope is the most needed. Come on, somebody. Right now, when it is dark, it is grim, the church of God is here to still win. Amen. We don't give in. We don't give up. We move forward, and we go after soul, after soul, after soul, after soul. Friends, I said it moments ago, but our hope is not found in legislation because legislation is not our salvation. Jesus Christ alone is our salvation. Where else should we go, Lord? You have the words 
of life. The Apostle Peter. Where else could we go? Where else could we look? What else could we do? Friends. Has anybody ever heard of the man, Smith Wigglesworth? If you don't know Smith, you need to know Smith. Smith Wigglesworth is one of the greatest revivalists and healing evangelists of the 20th century. OG, his wife was a, was a revivalist before him. The man couldn't even string together two words. He was a plumber with a plumber's crack and a giant mustache. But suddenly, kind of like Mario, whoop, 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 whoop. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hits you. Whoop, 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 whoop. That was me during Build My Life. I don't know if you saw me, but it was, I was, had an audience of one with the Lord. So don't you judge my journey, okay? You don't know the mess in my message. Come on. But Smith Wigglesworth is one of the greatest men of the 20th century. And then he has this friend. I want to make sure I get his name right. One sec. Let me check it out. Summerall. You all know Summerall? There's nobody's going to know who Summerall is. That's okay. Here it is. Ready for this? I want to get his first name right because his first name is really important for you to look this up later. All right, I cannot find Summerall's name in my notes because I'm not good at reading. All right, anyways, I'm pretty sure it's Lee Summerall. So, oh yeah, Lee Summerall. Okay, anyways, Lee Summerall. Jeez, goodness. Got one job, Matt. One job. Know your stuff. So, Smith Wigglesworth has his friend Lee Summerall. Lee Summerall would go on to be... A, an amazing evangelist, revivalist as well. He would get so ignited in a church service led by Smith Wigglesworth that the Holy Spirit would set on him and he would go out and he would set nations ablaze for the kingdom of heaven. I mean, tens of thousands of people would come off the backside of him from the things that was happening with Smith Wigglesworth in the 20th century. And why this is important is because this, when Summerall was coming into service, Smith looked at him because he was coming in. He had a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. Smith Wigglesworth looked at him and he says, you can come in, but the newspaper stays outside. You can come in, but the newspaper stays outside. And friends, I have got to tell you, I understand that the world is dark and I understand that when tragedy strikes and when darkness encroaches upon this country and this land and in our own city, in our own God-given territory where you and I are called to change things from the inside out, that when it starts getting dark and violence is happening and division is happening and corruption is happening and all this stuff is going down, I know that our, our, our natural fallen response to a fallen world is to try and arm ourselves with knowledge. But just because you're arming yourself with knowledge doesn't mean you're arming yourself with wisdom. Friends, we cannot live double-minded. We cannot be a house divided against itself. And friends, you cannot be living by both the good news and the bad news at the same time. You cannot be a citizen of the world and a citizen of heaven at the same time. Literally, the brother of James says, or the brother of Jesus, James says, you cannot be friends of the world. If you are friends of the world, you are an enemy of God. There is separation. There is a difference. We are set apart. We are a chosen people. We are the church, amen. We are different. And because of that difference, friend, I am here to tell you, leave the newspaper outside. Leave the newspaper outside. We will acknowledge the world, but we will not platform the world. We will acknowledge evil, but we will not platform the evil. Come on, somebody. We will acknowledge the happenings of the world around us, but we will elevate Jesus above it. Amen. We will acknowledge the evil that's in our world, but we will elevate eternity above it. Amen. We will acknowledge what is happening in our land while praying that God would intervene in our land. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? And I believe there is an absolute, absolute parallel, an absolute binding of these two moments. One, where Smith said to Summerall, you leave that newspaper outside. There's a direct correlation between leaving the bad news at the door and being armed and set ablaze for the nations by the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to be a church that says, leave it at the door.
leave it at the door. Just leave it. God, I know that our first inclination when tragedy starts, God, is to arm ourselves with knowledge, but that knowledge is not wisdom. It's just other broken people with other broken ideas, with other broken motives, with other broken identities, trying to solve the world's problem from a worldly perspective. And what we need is a kingdom perspective. So can we just make an agreement? We're going to leave the bad news at the door. And we will be citizens of the good news of heaven. Where Christ is in the wilderness. You see, I love this portion of scripture. I love the book of Colossians. Colossians is awesome because Colossians is about 100 miles, like Colossal, is 100 miles outside of Ephesus. Ephesus, you might ask, is an Asia minor. And Asia minor, you might ask, is like Eastern Europe. Uh, literally, Ephesus, uh, 2,000 years ago, is now modern-day Turkey. Does that make sense? So now you kind of understand continentally where Paul is coming from in the scripture. So the Apostle Paul, he's writing to a church that is in Colossus, and they are like, I don't know, at the time, they were one of the most celebrated cities. One of the most celebrated cities in the land, right outside of Ephesus. This was a place where you would go, where the party was popping, where the world was going, because at the time, in Ephesus and in this Asia minor area, they had this thing called Diana worship. Have you heard of this? Diana, a.k.a. also goes by Artemis in the Greek. She was this false god, this fallen god, this fake god, this idol god they built and constructed statues for where everything was about sex, everything was about fertility, everything was about gain and money and monetary value, and it was all built around it so much so that you actually, if you wanted to bank in the area, if you wanted to be a tradesman in the area, if you wanted to exchange goods in the area whether by boat or by, you know, horse and buggy, you would have to first bow and worship Diana, go through a whole entire temple Diana of worship. And in fact, their banking and trading was all done inside their broken, fallen, false god temple of Diana. In fact, the statue they erected for Diana, I kid you not, you can look this up yourself. There were 17 boobs yeah, it's weird. It's an odd number uh, and really strange to look at, okay? But this was how sick and twisted this area was, was like in order to do anything in this place, any sort of living, any sort of trading, any sort of providing for your family, any sort of way to use your gifting and talents and the things that you were given probably by your father, in order to get married, you would have to go and worship at this statue that had this weirdo, odd number of boobs. So this is what Paul's dealing with in this time period. But one of the amazing things about the book of Colossians is, in fact, Paul, he's starting this off, and he uses this word edify. He's edifying. He is here edifying the church. This church is doing so well, and Paul is just admonishing them. He is just pouring praise at their feet. He is just speaking to how good they're doing in the midst of Diana worship, in the midst of all of this just sex and fertility and all this madness that's happening in this place. What they bow down and worship, the the filth and the trade and how sex and money are gods and kings. And it's just like, what is this place? And yet the church still advanced. Does that sound familiar to anybody? but the church still advanced. You want to know why one of the reasons I think the church still advanced? Was because the church chose edification. The church chose edification. Maybe you're asking yourself, Pastor Matt, what does edify mean? What is edification? Edification, edifying is meaning being built up in the Lord, being established, being galvanized, fortifying, strengthening, lifting yourself up, preparing yourself, building into yourself, building yourself up in God's promises, in God's word, in what he can do, in community, in the spirit, in the word, in worship, edifying. So basically everything we attempt to do here at Takeover Church, edifying. But I wonder, I wonder, I think we can look at our world today and our state today and our nation today and I think, honestly, one of the things that's lacking in 
and not just the church at large, but to zero in on what's our responsibility, the American church. I think one of the things that is missing desperately today that we are in need of is edification. I think we need a church that understands that while it's all going down around us, the church is still being called to build itself up. That so many things, you will turn on the media, that is the media is there to program you, but we are not programmable people, we are a saved people, amen? And it's there to tear us down and to heap bad news because fear in a fallen world is a greater motivator than faith, amen? Am I wrong? Fear is a greater motivator in a fallen world than faith. But the kingdom of God, everything else can be falling apart and you and I are still be called to be set apart. Everything else can be coming down around us, yet we are called to be sending praises up. Come on, somebody. When the, when the world is living downward, the church is called to go upward. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? See, the problem is I don't think we do that. I think we've adopted the world and we've adopted culture and we decided that the only time we're going to edify is when we're feeling low. I don't see that in scripture. I see Paul reminding an amazing church at a terrible time in a terrible place with, with filth and sex and money and everything running it. I see Paul building them up. I see them building themselves up. I see them building themselves up in the Lord, not just while things are falling down around them, but while things are going good within the church. But so often, you and I, we don't, we don't actually just start praising God when everything's good. No, 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 we, 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 we wait to build ourselves up until everything's bad. Like, it's crazy how God just kind of gets the blame for when things is bad, but he doesn't get the praise when everything's good. It's, it's wild how we don't just start stirring up our spirits when we're spirits already stirred up. Well, Matt, that doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. We are to edify ourselves. We are to be building ourselves up. We to be, are to be a people that even when things are great, we are still building ourselves up. You might say, why? Because I wonder what life would look like for the Christian if we didn't wait for everything to be bad to start building ourselves up, but we were building ourselves up while everything was good. What if we took that energy, that excitement, that fever pitch, that, 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 that praise that we have on the inside of us that's like, man, things are so good right now. And we don't just rest on our laurels. We don't just go idle in our faith. But that's, those are the moments where we choose to build in. Friends, can I tell you that when you start building in to your life when everything is going good, you have far less deficit in your spiritual life when everything's going bad. Come on, somebody. Right now, gas prices are crazy high. But how many of you know when it drips like 20 cents, you could have three quarters of a tank and you're still pulling up to the gas pump, aren't you? Because you want it. You want it. And that's what we're called to do in this hour. We live in a time and place where we wait till the, the tank is running empty on our spiritual life and we wonder why we're depressed and why we need medication. Friends, I don't think we need more medication. I think we need more edification. I'm all for medication, by the way. We believe in it. It's awesome. It's, I'm so grateful for doctors to come in and, and, and help us along our way. I'm so grateful for it, but I'm telling you, what if we just decided to not wait until we were low to reach out to God, but we were reaching out to God when we were high? Calm down. I saw a couple people like, you don't say. Calm down. But we don't wait to build ourselves up. We don't wait to build ourselves up. We start saying, no, we are a kingdom that is above this. We are a kingdom that is not of this world. We are citizens of another place. And therefore, we don't live as the world lives. Okay, we give God credit in the good and in the bad. We, th we thank him for everything he has done. Come on, somebody. And we praise him for what he will do. Amen. These are the type of people we're called to be. You might think this is grade A. You might think this is JV. You might think this is lowbrow. But friends, I'm telling you, it's not because none of us are found doing it. It's not JV. This is advanced Christianity. The problem is we all heard it in youth group and we just never took it to heart. But I'm telling you, praise God for those youth groups in those church basements when we were all younger, pouring into us, spending their own money on pizza because there was no budget for youth ministry and there never is. But thank God they gave us good 
biblical principles and disciplines to live by because right now we are seeing the results of people not taking it to heart as young people and now trying to lead a nation as old people. Edification is for the saints. Build yourself up. Strengthen yourself up. We belong to a kingdom that is called when the world is going down, we build ourselves up. In the good, the bad, and the ugly. Edification. I think often we have a problem edifying ourselves in the Lord because we have a hard time identifying the things God has already done. I think so often we don't edify because we have idolized what God has yet to do and we have a poor time trying to identify what God has already done. We make idols out of what God has yet to do in our lives while not identifying what he has already accomplished in our lives. Amen? This is the problem. We can't idolize what God hasn't done yet. We need to start praising him for what he has done. We don't sit here and go, God, where is my healing? But what about the 18 other times he showed up miraculously? What about every other time you went to the prayer in the back and you saw somebody else get healed? What about the other times when financial provision was there and it was right after you just started tithing for the first time and all of a sudden you start seeing God move crazy in your lives? I mean, we start idolizing what he has yet, quote unquote, yet to do, but we never stop to pause and identify what he has already done. We're going to be a church of edification. We are going to be a church that chooses to build ourselves up. We're not going to wait for our nation to be everything we are praying for it to be before we start living the Christian lives we're called to live. We're not waiting for permission for those far from God to start living for God. Amen? Come on, am I preaching to anybody this morning? And this is all set up for this moment with Paul and the Colossian church. Because this is what the book of Colossians is about. There is all these crazy things that are going on, but they haven't done a good job of keeping the culture of the world from seeping into the church. They've done a good job of keeping Diana worship out, just like the church in Ephesus. They've done a great job of keeping culture at bay and Christ at the center, amen? How many of you know we're called to keep Christ at the center and the church and the culture at bay? And I got to tell you, friends, I am sick and tired of church being downstream from culture. I want to see culture downstream from the church. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I want to see a church so glorious, so bright, so illuminated, so wonderful, so at peace, so full of faith, so strong, so fortified from edifying herself, from building herself up in the Lord, that the culture cannot just look at us and go, that is silly, that is bankrupt, that is false, that is fallen. We don't want any of that. Instead, they will look at us like the light we are called to be, and they will say, we want to replicate the church. We don't want the church to replicate us. And for 30 years, the church in America has attempted to replicate culture instead of attempting to get the uh, culture to replicate the church. It's time for the church to be upstream from culture and culture to be downstream from the church. Amen? So Paul and the Colossians, where Christ is in the wilderness. You see, the wilderness, like we said, wilderness is, is that testing ground for the Lord. It's that furnace, it's that forge, it's that place that the Lord leads the Christians so much so he led his own son Jesus there. It's where he takes us all to test our metal, to test our steel, to, to put us in the fire where all the impurities can be brought out to the surface like a fine silver or a fine gold. And he begins to set us apart and live us different and begin to use us in different ways to shine brightly before the Lord. But first, before that, he is deciding that he's going to put us in the forge. And he is going to reshape us from culture back into his image and likeness. And something struck me about this portion of scripture. Honestly, it's, it's a revelation. It's something that completely blew my mind. It's something that I had never seen. 16 years of following Jesus, 16 years of being in ministry, 16 years of reading the Bible multiple times a year. I'm just putting all of my resume out there because I can't believe that after 16 years with God, I don't have it all figured out yet. And yet he's so gracious and so kind. He keeps 
How many of you know the Word of God does not return void, amen? And He just keeps giving fresh revelation and insight. Trust me, I don't have anything that's heretical. I don't have anything that's heresy. This isn't some new, new age Christianity, none of that rubbish. This is something I was reading that shook me to my very core because it made me realize I have been living by Matt's means. I have been living by Matt's faith. I have been living by Matt's words and Matt's strengths and Matt's ideas and Matt's viewpoint and Matt's solutions. I've been, le- I've been living by Matt's marriage. I've been living by Matt because the first part of this scripture blows my mind. Paul says to the Colossians, he says, seek the things above. Well, Matt, we had a whole series on roots above, branches below. What do you mean? This is a new revelation. We, we've, we've discussed this. No, no, no. Friends, listen. Seek the things above where Christ is. Seek the things above where Christ is. How many know heaven's probably huge? <laughs> How many know heaven has a lot of things in it? How many know there's so much in heaven that's going to be available to us for eternity? And yet, Paul doesn't say, seek the crowns you'll have one day in your house in heaven. He doesn't say, seek the gold that you'll walk on in the streets of heaven. Don't seek the provision that you'll have wherever you go in heaven. He doesn't say, seek the things that are in the basement of heaven, the attic of heaven, the kitchen of heaven, the gas station of heaven. Are are, are you picking this up? This blew my mind when I realized what Paul was saying. He wasn't just saying, seek the things of heaven, seek the things above this, seek the things that are far out there, seek the things that are unattainable, seek the things you'll never see this side of earth, but God loves to tease you. He doesn't say that. He says, seek the things above not where you will be one day, but where Christ is right now. Seek the things above where Christ is. Seek the things above where Christ is. God, as I began seeing our world and seeing my life and seeing our ministry and as I got this, I just started shaking in my office chair. Honestly, I was, I was having a moment with the Lord where my mind was just captivated, where my imagination was arrested, where suddenly I couldn't help but begin to ask the question, what is in that room? What is in that room with Christ? What is in that room with Christ? What is in the throne room next to Jesus? What is his feet propped up on for all eternity resting in and on the very things that I'm probably striving and attempting to achieve and obtain on my own? All of a sudden, I just began to realize there are so many questions. Because here I am and I'm and I'm seeking healing on the backside of my prayers. Here I am, I'm seeking a marriage on the on the backside of my good works. I'm, I'm, I'm seeking a church on the, on the backside of my Instagram promotion. I, I'm, I'm seeking all of these things, my, my, my money by what I can make with my own hands, like by ideas that I can come up with on my own. And suddenly I'm looking at the world and I'm going, there's all these shootings and violence and all these things and corrupt politicians on both sides who are putting kings in places of power where the Lord needs to reside. And it's like, what is going on? I have to start asking the question, What's available where Christ is for all of these areas? What solution for our nation is in that room where Christ is? What resurrection for your broken marriage is in that room where Christ is? What power to live sexually pure is in that room where Christ is? What power and authority to truly see mountains move 
is available in that room where Christ is? What kind of freedom is available to you to live a sinless life? What is in that room? What is on those shelves? What does the very coaster of Christ have available to you and I in that room? Paul says, seek above the things in the room where Christ is. This is the throne room. This is where he rules. This is where he pleads the blood on the mercy seat next to God. This is where he makes intercessory prayer for you and I. This is where he stands in the gap for you and I. This is where it all goes down right now. What is it in your life that you're in desperate need of that Christ is resting next to right now? Friends, allow your imagination to run for a second. Allow yourselves to be captivated for a second. Allow yourselves to elevate your thinking for a second. Allow yourselves to begin to be raptured by the things of God right now. My word, what is in that room that you and I are in desperate need of? What is in that room that our nation is in desperate need of? What solutions? What cures, what words of knowledge, what words of healing, what, what power is found in the throne room of Christ that you and I, we're not just given permission to go after, we've been given a commission to go after. God through Paul isn't writing it down and saying, hey, ply hide and seek with God and see what he come up with. This isn't the sawdust find at a family reunion where you know it's filled with pennies but there's a couple half dollars in there, kid. Just keep digging. No. Paul is saying to the church, you and me, don't, don't seek man-made solutions. Don't seek a natural solution for spiritual illness. What's available in that room? And how many of you know, if he's given us not just permission, but he has actually mandated that that's what we seek, how many of you know, when he says seek, we will find? This isn't hide and seek. This is seek and you will find. God's game is not hide and seek. God's game is live set apart and seek the things above. This is what it looks like to be a son and a daughter in the wilderness. where Christ is. Where's Christ in the wilderness? Where's Christ right now? Where is Christ in the world when it's all going to hell in a handbasket? He is on the throne. And in that throne room is everything the Christian needs to see Jesus take over. But Paul says, those of you that are saved, seek above the things where Christ is those of you that are saved, can we talk about being saved for a second? I got a few minutes yet. Can we talk about being saved for a second? How many of you know being saved is when you decide to give Jesus the authority over your life? But how many of you guys know that authority, the root word there is author? You see, authority speaks to authorship. But how many of you know partial authority is no authority at all? partial authority is no authority at all. If we want to talk about authorship, giving God authorship of our lives means that he not only owns our life, but our lives are now the story he gets to write as he see fit. Amen? But if we hand God a pen without any ink, if we hand God a pen without any ink, if we say, no, you, know, you are author of our lives, but if we don't give, any ink, any, give him any ink to write our lives, how many know He's not just the, he's only the author of our faith. He's not the finisher of our faith. How many of you know if we handicap God, if we handcuff God, if we put him at a deficit, set him out behind the eight ball in our life, if he can't be the author of our life, well, he can't be the finisher of our life. If he's not the author of our salvation, then he can't be the finisher of our salvation. If he's not the author of our life, he can't answer the prayers of our life. If he's not the author of our life, he can't be the provision in our life. Come on, somebody. Partial authority is no authority at all. He's either the author and the finisher, 
he's not writing your life at all. So those who have given authorship to their, of their lives to God, you and I, that throne room of God is available to every single one of us. And friends, it's not just been made available, we've been mandated to go after it. Seek it, obtain it, receive it, rejoice in it, push that bad news out, stop seeking it in CNN and Fox News and politicians, quit looking in a donkey and an elephant for what I have sat next to the lamb on the throne. This is available for those who have given authorship to God. Is God the author of your life today? Or is he an author with a pen that doesn't have any ink? Have you made it that God can write your life? Or is he just a really good counselor? Or is Jesus just a really good guru? Or is Jesus just a really great one-liner? He's a good tweet. Does he write Twitter responses for your life? Or is he the author of your life? Does he have permission to only write the good things in your life? Or does he have the permission to be the finisher of the bad things in your life? Memorial Day. Who knew? But we are training up Christians for the day and age of which we live. And right now, friends, clearly, the church in America is in desperate need of Christians who have given the Lord Jesus authorship of our lives. So what does that look like practically, Matt? Well, friends, Paul says to the Corinthians, you are hidden in Christ. You are hidden in Christ. Well, Matt, how, how do we obtain what's in the throne room? How do we go after that? What does that even begin to practically look like? Friends, I am not all about high concepts and zero practicality. I intend to equip you for every good work. So if I say something that's massive, something that's otherworldly, something that is on the outside of us, I'm not saying I have it all figured out because God loves a little mystery in our relationship so that we'll seek him, not so that we'll leave him. Amen. But I think in this one, there are some practicalities. Friends, your life is hidden in Christ. That's what Paul says. He says, you're hidden in Christ. You are hidden in Christ. And if you're hidden in Christ, that means you have the right by heaven's authority, heaven's authorship to now live as Christ. You've been hidden in Christ. God now sees you as Christ. It happens. God sees you as Christ. And it's in that hiddenness that that throne room is made available to you. It's in that set apartness that, man, sin has to bow to you, that demons have to flee because of you, that, that things have to begin to change in the natural when the Christian begins to petition heaven for change in the supernatural. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You are now hidden in Christ. And let me tell you, Christ would never try to accomplish his mission in the earth by your surroundings. So if you're hidden in Christ, why are you trying to accomplish the mission of the kingdom of heaven by your surroundings? God would never use what's in our room to accomplish his surroundings. He would take what we have in the natural and guess what he begins to do? He multiplies it supernaturally. Friends, this is what it looks like to practically Go after the things in that throne room. Why are we living by our surroundings and not living from Jesus' surroundings? Why are we living from the deficit of our current circumstances and situations instead of living out of the abundance, the Zoe life, life and life to the full, John 10, 10, the abundant life. Why are we not living out of the abundant life of Jesus' current situation and circumstance and surroundings and room that he is in, amen? This is what it looks like. We begin to say, I am hidden 
in Christ. I am hidden in Christ. God, if I am hidden in you, will you not do this in me? Will you not do this in them? If I am hidden in you, I know you've got healing in your throne room. Will you release it? God, I know you've got provision in your throne room. Would you release it? God, I know you have a hope for my future in that throne room. Would you release it? God, I know you have things that I haven't even begun to think of, but that I desperately am in need of. Would you release it? God, I don't know how to get past this depression, but I know you have the answer in that room. Would you release it? He told me I could have it. God, I want to obtain it. I want to receive it, and I want to rejoice in it. I want to edify myself up in what is in that throne room. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Matt, you got through two verses. Yep. Paul says, so put off your old self and your old practices and put on your new self that is being renewed in the knowledge and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Put off your old self and your old practices. Friends, that means there's a direct correlation between who you used to be and what you used to do. Problem is, so many of us are trying to now live our new life in Christ, but doing what we used to do. You see how that doesn't work? You see how we can't live by bad news and good news? Do you see how we can't be double-minded of the world and of Christ? Do you see how that doesn't work? Do you see that he says, you gotta put off your old self, but by putting off your old practices. Well, what do I do then, Paul? No, put on your new self. What does that look like? Well, if your old self is a direct result of your old practices, well, then perhaps your new self will be the direct result of new practices. What does that mean? What does that mean, Pastor Matt? How does that even look? Well, if you used to struggle with sexual immorality and you still struggle with sexual immorality, chances are you're still practicing sexual immorality but God says no no in my throne room I have a cure I have the ability I have supernatural strength I have wisdom I have renewal in my Holy Spirit for your body we can actually kill sin and it's all right there in the throne room so instead of living by our old sexual nature and our old sexual practices we get new sexual practices and the reason I'm using sex is because it's a big freaking deal and it seems to be the one that so easily entangles. And it seems to be the one that just gets on the inside of us like a boa constrictor from hell and won't let us go for all dear might. So we need Jesus, amen? I'm, I'm not alone in this. I've been there. Good Lord, you know how many Dell computers I crashed as a young man? I wish I would have had a message like this. New sexual practices? I never would have thought of it. <laughs> you put on your new self you start getting new practices or where do I get those ideas in the throne room there's ideas that Christ has in that room that we haven't even seen in the earth well Matt how do we change this nation from the inside out I am I am just overrun by by the mayhem and the violence and the hurt and the pain and the chaos of our world well chances are we got chaotic nation chaotic practices so we need men and women who are deciding to be peacemakers with peacemaking practices and friends I don't mean peacekeeping we are not the city square people who just decide to police everybody and try to keep the peace no no she didn't mean it no no he didn't mean it well you shouldn't have said that you need to apologize no no, no. we can all get along kumbaya across the world problem with kumbaya across the world is the person we're holding hands with doesn't believe in Jesus. No, no, we're called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers, which means we need some peacemaking practices, which means we need to start getting people saved from the life of hell now and the life of hell later, and we need to get them bent on heaven now and heaven later. We need to resuscitate this nation, resurrect this nation, redeem this nation from the inside out. 
We keep trying to do it by outside in, by legislation. No, we need to do it with the inside in, by Christ's resurrection. Too real on Memorial Day? Well, Matt, how do I, how do I get that new marriage? How do I get that new marriage where I, I've cheated? Where they cheated? There's been lying and there's been physical abuse and there's been all of these shifty, dodging things and honestly, I'm just broken. But I want to see restoration and they want to see restoration, but we just keep going round and around and around again and again. Like, what do we do? Well, it sounds like if there's a broken marriage, there's been broken practices. If there's an abuse in the marriage, there's been abuse practices. some purity practices sounds like there needs to be some separation for a season practices some therapy Christian counseling practices there sounds like there needs to be some people intervening practices there sounds like we need to start doing the opposite and do what God says to do instead of what we've always done sing the goodness of God. It was my charge today, and it is my hope today, and it is my plea today. Friends, please do not just hear another church message today. Please don't just hear another church message ever here, by the way. Nobody phones us in. We all get with the Lord. We all seek. We all study. We all prepare ourselves. We all go after heaven with reckless abandonment. We give so much time and consideration and research, and we just get with the Lord, and we want to hear what heaven is saying to us in this body and in this community, in this city, and in this state, and in this nation, in this world. That's what we go after every single week to bring you this. And it was my hope all week that I would have somebody here in this room, at least one person who would just decide this day, Memorial Day 2022, this weekend, I stopped seeking my own solutions. I stopped seeking my own ideas. I stopped seeking man-made ideas. I stopped seeking what those around me. And I started seeking the things above where Jesus is. Of God. How many of you know 
here this morning. We don't do this often because we really just believe the Lord starts doing it. But can I get every head to bow, every eye to close? I want you to be able to sing the goodness of God in a way you've never sang it before, a way you've never declared it before. Maybe you've never even heard it before, but this is the moment where you are coming to realize there is goodness in God because there is goodness and there is authority and there is power and there is richness and there is hope. There is hope for my dying self and a dying world around me and it's all found where Jesus is and in order to receive what Jesus has, I have to first receive Jesus. So if that's you and you want to make Jesus author and finisher of your life. If that's you, maybe you've made a connection one time. Maybe you walked away. Maybe this is the first real time for you. You want to make that commitment to Jesus being the author of your life. No one's looking around. No one's judging. This is between you and the Lord. Would you just put your hand up high enough and long enough so I can see it. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see hands, I see hands, I see hands. People are rededicating, people are coming home for the first time. Amazing, amazing. Would you just give it up all around the room? Would you just begin to make a noise? Heaven is shouting, heaven is declaring. The King of kings, the Lord of lords is raging in his seat because not just one, but seven are making recommitments or coming home for the first time as a friend. with your mouth. So repeat after me as one church body. Let's just bring them in as a chorus of witnesses to this moment. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. Thank you for defeating hell for me. Thank you for defeating my sin for me. And thank you on this day that you have received me forever. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, amen. Make some noise. Let's end this the right way. Let's sing the goodness of God and let's go about our amazing Memorial Day weekend. Eat some hamburgers, get sunburned, and give glory to God. Amen. Let us sing.